It's my privilege to welcome to the North Georgia Revival Christ Fellowship Church platform tonight. Would you help me welcome Pastor Don Allen from the church at Warhill as he preaches the Word of God tonight. Come on, give God a praise tonight. Can you lift up the name of Jesus? Amen. Well, God is good. Come on, you can do better than it. Let's lift up the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Father, we magnify you. How many of you came to see the Lord tonight? Get ready. I'm going to try to behave. The other day I got so carried away, I went full T.D. Jakes. I went, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. I feel it in the house tonight. I don't know, before, before hold on, hold on, stand back up, stand back up. Turn around and hug three or four people. Love them. I said three or four, not twelve. You single guys, behave yourself. Come on now. There's a holiness in the house. There's a reverence in the house. But it's good when God's people dwell together in unity. It is an honor to be unified with this house. I walked in uh, about a week ago, Pastor Todd Stewart and I walked into a meeting of some of the largest churches in America. They said this. They said, guys, I had no clue this happens everywhere I go. They said, guys, we've got the baptistry full. One of those baptism pastors is sitting here, and you need the fire of God in your church, and he'll baptize you today if you want to be. Amen. I said, well, if I've got to be associated with something, let it be with a move of God. Now, what an honor it is to be associated with all of the pastors and team that are part of this North Georgia Revival. Last Wednesday night, I had we had been preaching I don't know how many times uh, over the, the few days. I, I, I don't know how to find balance. This is my fifth time today to get to stand and, and share. And I was exhausted, and, and uh, I, I just said, you know, I need, a, I need, I need, I need somebody. And Pastor Robbie Mathis, I thought, if you've got to have somebody, Pastor Robbie Mathis came in and preached and closed like a freight train, come on, in the house, and brought a word and a move of God in our church, and, and, and I know if I needed anything, at this house and the other houses, and <laughs> at Bishop Lance and I, we were out together ministering on Friday night. Now, you know Bishop and I are both very, really, you know, we, we, we're both little guys. And he, he pulled up in this clown car. And we both poured into that thing. Come on. And, uh, and but we knew miracles were going to happen when we got to service because we were both somehow going to find a way out of that car. Amen. What I'm trying to say is I, wouldn't, I, would, I couldn't think of anybody better, Pastor Matt, than you guys to be associated with. God has opened doors all over this world, and I've been privileged to, to travel and preach this gospel. I've learned something. I've learned that 
if you're going to do something, you're going to pay a price. And I can't think of anybody better than to link arms with the North Georgia pastors and put my, 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 my foot right beside their foot and stand the ground for what God's going to do in this hour than, than with them. And, and, and here's something you, you don't understand about what it takes to pastor a move of God. You can only reach as far as your pain threshold allows you to go. If your pain threshold is small, then you won't reach very far. But when your pain threshold can handle the fact that people are preaching against you, they can handle the fact that people are talking about you because you're filled with the Holy Ghost, come on. They can handle the fact that something strange and unique is happening in Dawsonville, Georgia. When you get to the place where it doesn't matter what other people say about you, all that really matters is what God is doing and you want more of God, then God can move in your lives. And so tonight, I, I just want to take a moment to say what an honor it is to be able to minister with a team. Look at Pastor Jeff up here. He's like, he's like, he's ready to preach. Look at him. He's got fire in his soul. To minister with a team and to have such respected, wonderful friends like every single one of the North Georgia pastors, and particularly Pastor Todd, thank you for the trust tonight. And, and I get nervous anytime I got to preach uh, uh, in front of the preachers of this house, but then you've got to preach in front of Karen. My Lord Jesus, help us. So why don't you just give God some praise for those who are paying the price, going through the pain. My wife and I have been privileged to pastor in this community. I tell a joke. I know it's a joke I've used far too many times. I say that we came here to pastor 31 years ago when I was skinny with dark hair. Let's just say the ministry grew and I grew right along with it. Come on, amen. Oh, Marty, you've taken away my, my, my testimony. Every time she says to me, baby, why don't you have some fruit instead of that blizzard? I say, I'm allergic to it. Come on, amen. <laughs> but in 31 years, I will tell you, the last year, uh, we've had to make some very distinct stands, and it's probably been the deepest in the fire that we've ever been. So today, I come to you from a place of the fire. As I... Celebrate what God has done. I, I, if you've ever ministered, you know you pay a price to minister. But what people don't understand is that your wife and your children pay a price when you minister. And particularly when they're one of the most anointed speakers that you know. So tonight, I, I've never done this before, but I, I, I just, maybe if I were at home, it, it would seem a little self-serving. But, but I want you to help me honor the lady that stood in the fire with me for the last 31 years, my wife, Christina Allen. I feel like I have a message tonight. I feel like I'm, uh, you think I'm stumbling along trying to get there, but the reality is that there's some things that have to be said like this, and, and, and my goodness. Oh, I couldn't see you, Gary, but I could see Joni. Did I dedicate that little baby to Jesus? I dedicated that baby who sang her first song up here tonight to the Lord. And what an anointing of God in that young woman's life. Wow. I was so proud of you. So proud of you. I, I walked in the room. I just I texted our, our, our team. You pay a price for the anointing. And immediately, my right side was, was 
just, I, I, I was almost a fa- about to fall over standing up here, and I was in pain, and, and then, then, my goodness, Carson started singing? Oh, my goodness, I, and the anointing hit me? I, I gave you that song outside, remember that? I gave you that song outside, and I looked over at Mufasa, I mean, Marty standing there, he had that chest up, looked like Mufasa. Come on now. He's like, that's my baby up there. What an anointing. Come on, what a move of God. You see, I'm celebrating for a moment because too many times we get in too much of a rush. But some of you are saying, Pastor, I'm desperate for a move of God. But see, the problem is you define how this night was supposed to go. And that's what I've come to do with you about. Is that is, I want to change your definition tonight. Let me read the word to you from John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse number 24, then I'm going to pray, and then I I just want to speak to you. I I, I normally have such clarity, but tonight I don't have clarity. I have commission. And I'm on a, a, a commission tonight to share some truths with you that I believe that God wants you to receive. John chapter number 20, verse number 24 says, One of the disciples, 12 disciples, Thomas, who was nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. Come on, he was not with them. He was what? Not with them. Now, because he was not with them when they told him, We have seen the Lord, he didn't have a narrative. He didn't have the picture in his mind when they said, We have seen the Lord. All he can see is the last glimpse he had of the Lord. But he replied, speaking of Thomas, he said, I won't believe it, this is important, unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Now this is so important. Unless I see the what? Nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. I watched Pastor Johnny Taylor preach probably one of the finest messages I've ever heard on this scripture in this house. But, but God's given me a revelation for you tonight. Eight days later, how much later? Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Notice what he said here, and this this is where we're almost to the truth you have to realize. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my what? Hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. Believe. Now notice verse 28. I want you to see the way that Thomas responds. He responds, uh, and and if you're reading along with me here, you can see this. My Lord and my... Some of you are with me. Let's say it again. My Lord and my... God, I dare to go ahead and tell you now that Thomas now has a clearer vision of who God is because of what he's been through over the days prior. Important. Father, I pray that what we've been through tonight will not hinder us from getting a clearer vision of who you are. That will not hinder us from being the man of God, the women of God that you have called us to be. God, let us rise up a body of Christ, anointed. I feel you already, Holy Spirit. Lord, let us rise up under the anointing of God. For those watching on this network, on ISN Network, Lord, I thank you, God, that right now in their homes, the anointing of God is manifesting. Lord, in this place, I thank you for your glory. And Lord, I, com- I speak your truth. Every sickness becomes subject to your glory. Every sin is already defeated by your grace. And may we see who you are, our Lord 
and our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I want to I just talk to you for just a moment tonight on more of a commission than a clarity. So it may seem like I'm, I'm rambling a little bit. But if, as, I, as, I, as I do this, please understand, I'm trying my best to literally keep my eyes on Jesus. I love to teach you. I love to give you instruction. I, I love to walk away feeling like I've, I've given you some kind of deposit. But I, I, I want to speak to you for just a moment about, about my pain. Some of the things that, 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 that I struggle with, you know, as, as, as people ask me all the time, did you ever imagine that, you, that War Hill, that started with so few, would have, have now uh, uh, as many campuses as there were people in the first service? Come on now. People will say, had you, had you have any clue that, that 150,000 people today would hear your message? And, and, and no, and, and just the things of this. But here's the thing that hurts me the most is they have this image of what it is supposed to be. And then they meet me. And I guess I don't match up to somebody else's image. I'm thankful I match up to God's image, but I don't match up to, 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 to everybody else's image because God looked down and he chose me for who I am, but, but they meet me, and, and it's always the same thing. They kind of take back and they take a look, and they're like, they're like you're, just, you're kind of like the, the class clown. You see, what happens to me constantly, my wife and I, we, we got to where for a long time we wouldn't even go out to eat with anybody because I heard this phrase more times than I, I ever wanted. You're not the same out of the pulpit that you, that you, that, that you are in the pulpit. One little uh, uh, young lady summed it up the best. She said, she said you know, you're really a, a lion in the pulpit, but you're a mouse in person. I said, thank you. I appreciate that. Because I might not look like what everybody else wants me to look like, but I, I, I'm just a guy trying to follow Jesus. And then the Lord dropped that thing, Victory 91.5, into our, our, our hands, and God began to bring the sound of revival. And, and, and then people come up to me all the time, and they go, you don't look like I imagined you. I'm like, how did you imagine? I, I have this image of myself. And this image of myself, I'm built like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I got hair like Fabio. Can You, you know what I'm talking about? Now, I didn't plan this, but, but you know, Pastor Todd and I were sitting in a room over here discussing a book uh, several years ago. I, I shared an idea with him and said, uh, I, I feel like I'm supposed to share this idea with you. He took that, ran with it, and this book literally has changed pastors' lives across America. Pastor Todd wrote it. And, and, and one of the young men that was impacted by this book is here tonight. He had so changed his life, he began to interview the pastor's that are, have written in this book. And, and, and as he began to interview, I was privileged to be one of those pastors, and, and now uh, he is the brand new morning uh, show host on Victory 91.5. And, and, and I, some, some of you have heard, uh, 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 he calls himself Q on there, his name is Quincy. You've heard Quincy, and I, and I know that you have an image of Quincy. Well, let me show you what, who Quincy is. Run up here, Quincy. Run up here. This is Quincy, the revival speaker. Come on now, amen. Come on. 
So the next time you're riding into work and you're listening to the morning show and he starts speaking about the kingdom of heaven because he's always going to talk about the kingdom of heaven and the anointing of revival that, that God changed through this house helped change his life that connected him to us and then he ended up in Atlanta and God's changed their whole life. I want you to think not in your mental image of who he, uh, you think he looks like. You can now see Quincy. Come on, let Quincy know you're thankful for him. Thank you, Quincy. You see, what I'm trying to tell you is we formulate these mental images of what it's supposed to look like and who people are supposed to be. We create these images, and that's exactly what's happened to Thomas in this moment. He says, I have no frame of reference. I cannot, I can't see it. And until I can see it the way I need to see it, then I can't receive it. And the problem for some of us in this house is we can't receive it because it's not lining up with the way that we dictated that it's supposed to happen. And so what God has sent me to the day is to help you realize who he is. To help you see the move of God. It amazes me the ways that we, we refer to God. We, 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 we call him a father. We, we call him a, a so many things. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. Come on now. He's all of these things. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's all of these things that we use to describe who that he is. He is the high and lifted up one. He is the captain of the Lord's host. He is all of these mighty things, and we use them to describe who God is, but we miss who God said he was. Because it doesn't fit our narrative. It doesn't fit the way that it's supposed to look. Now, a lot of people have criticized the pastors in this church and the move of God in the North Georgia revival because it doesn't look like what they have been trained that revival is supposed to look like. Revival is supposed to happen at best in the spring and in the fall. Revival should meet in the morning and the evening. Revival, come on now, I need an amen on this one, should contain potato salad and fried chicken all somewhere in the middle of it all. A neighboring pastor, I am tired of people who have tried to box God into a week in the spring and a week in the fall hoping their babies will get saved. I'm looking for somebody who wants God to come walking in 365 days a year. It might not look like you thought it would look, but God wants to move. But that's not revival, pastor. You've written your own script the revivals that began to happen this is not what's supposed to happen this is not I mean we, we talk about the different revivals that happened through time and people would show up and go I, I just I just don't know it it doesn't seem like church is normal how many of you already realized you're not in normal tonight that's what I should call this not in normal come on you're not in normal tonight. We have tired of normal. We've showed up. We've sung three songs. We've taken the offering. We've had a testimony here and there. And we've listened to a 32.3 minute sermon because we can only preach until 12 o'clock until brother so-and-so's had all he can stand and he's got to go get his nicotine fit outside. 
And that's how we've defined the move of God. But God's looking for somebody who will break out in a move of his spirit, who are not afraid to be laid out under the glory of God, under the anointing of God, under a move of the power of the Holy Spirit. But pastor, that's not what church is supposed to look like. You're supposed to be prim, proper, and cleaned up. No, I want to get more undignified than this. I want to know him in the glory that he will manifest. If we could just get on script. I mean, revival's supposed to be different. We look back at revivals of the past. And we think about what God did. I don't know why, but the, the, the revival with Jonathan Edwards, what would happen if we started looking for the move of Jonathan Edwards to happen again? He preached that message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. People say, I've heard Pastor Todd tell that story of revival over and over and over and over again, all churches all over across America. Keep telling it. Because it's catching, it's catching. But here's what Jonathan Edwards said. He said, you hadn't even preached the sermon until you preached it 1,500 times. Somebody said, I just don't know about that. I need a fresh word from God. Well, let me tell you why he preached it 1,500 times. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. When he would start preaching, the anointed would start manifesting in the room. They would start jumping up out of their pews, grabbing hold of the rafters of the building, screaming, don't let me go to hell. Don't let me go to hell. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. If somebody jumps up out of these chairs and can grab hold of up there, God's going to move in the building. <laughs> but if that's my definition of revival, I'm in trouble. What about the great awakening that shook a nation from those meetings, from those sermons, that over 25% of a continent found Jesus. Oh God, thank you for what you did, but I'm not gonna miss what you're doing looking at what you did because I'm not after what you did. I'm after who you are. I'm not gonna dictate the script of what it's supposed to look like. I'm trying to tell, I'm just giving you my heart tonight. Hey, hey, hey listen to me. It was said that young men and young women began to go out and preach the gospel in the streets. Some of them would rise up and a move of God would begin to happen. They would close the saloons. Come on now. They'd close down the houses of ill repute. They'd close down. See, we, we, we don't even pay attention to the one down the street. We drive past it. What I want God to do, and I can't dictate it, but I want him to flow out of this building, flow down 400. I want him to, to take out every, every wine house, every, every, every pornography house. I want him to take out everything till it hits the south side. And when it hits the south side, let, let Atlanta burn again for the glory of God with the passion of the Spirit of the Most High. The problem is we, it doesn't fit our script. The Hebrides revival. How do you talk about the Hebrides revival without trying to do a Scottish brogue? Oh, it didn't look like anybody wanted. A blind woman, her old aged sister praying in a house 
Some men praying in a barn, seeking the face of God, that God might send revival. They finally got a, a clarity. We will invite Duncan Campbell. Duncan Campbell comes, preaches in power. Nothing happens. As they're walking out of the building, the young deacon who had prayed until he had calluses on his knees, the young deacon who was worried uh, that, 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 that they somehow had wasted their time, he took a step and he said, God, this is not what we ask you for. You said if we would ask you for water, you would pour out water. And all of a sudden, a manifestation of the glory of God fell on that aisle that ran out of that church, went all the way down to the dance hall on the other side of town. And the young people in their prom began to scream out, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm looking for a move of God, but I will not write the script. Am I making sense? Quite frankly, I don't care if I'm making sense. I'm just following. God began to move. And the tents sprang up across America. Names like Jack Coe, Oil Roberts. Men like that began to travel across America, A.A. Allen, different ones. And as they would preach, the glory of God would fall in tents. And the presence of God was so strong. Somebody said to me, Pastor, do you do tent revival? I said, not if there's an air-conditioned building nearby. I was sitting in a tent in August one time. People were screaming, preaching. And I said, this is the dumbest thing. There's air-conditioned 100 feet away in that church. The Spirit of the Most God, High God spoke to me, and he said, Son, there are people that will come in this tent won't go in that church. I said, forgive me for writing the script, oh God. And then all of a sudden... Brownsville hit. I, I got to tell you, every Mother's Day, I just kind of listen. Is it going to happen again? And it didn't fit anybody's script. Because it looked like the Quakers and the Shakers of the day. And suddenly, the world could see people shaking under the Holy Ghost. And do you know what they did right in the middle of all of it? They put a baptism. Then Toronto hit. People started laughing. Anybody go there? You still laughing, aren't you? Come on, amen. And so people thought, I got to shake. I got to laugh. Come on. But that, because that's revival. And then Kansas City hits. And we've got to pray all night long and preach about end times. And that's revival. You see, the script looks different every single time. And then Lance Johnson called me. He said, Pastor Dawn, you got to come to Christ Fellowship. I said, Todd Smith will shoot me if I come to Christ Fellowship. <laughs> come on now. I said, I can't come. He said, I think you need to call. And then one night, and I've shared this story, and I, I will never stop sharing this story. Somebody texts me and says, turn on Facebook, turn on Facebook. I'm like, 
what in the world's going on on Facebook? What have I done now? And they showed me there in that baptistry was my baby daughter. And I would love to tell you I was spiritual, but I said, who does Todd think he is? That's my girl. I almost came up here. My wife said, you stay right where you are. <laughs> now look, I'm a big old boy, but I know where to behave. God changed my baby's life. Then he changed our lives. Then he changed our family's lives. Then he changed our churches. And I, we were standing right here when we joined hands. And it was almost like the doors of this building exploded open. And the glory of God went from a church revival to a regional revival. That's now gone from a national revival to a global revival. And it doesn't look like, but, but, they, but they baptize people. I don't care what it looks like on the script. If I've got to get in the water to find him, then let me get in the water again and again and again until revival burns in our soul. Can I have just, just, y'all got a problem with how long I'm preaching? Jerry, you can take it up with him afterwards. Now I want to show you something here. Thomas says, somebody go, why didn't you start with that? Because I told you I'm just following. Thank you for coming with me. It's hard to walk alone. Come on now. But he walks with me and he talks with me. And he leads me on the way. See, Thomas, he started following. And Thomas made some great declarations of faith. Like, let's go die with him. But you see, the reason he was willing to die with him is because that fit his narrative. That was the way he could see the script. And the way he could see the script was that Jesus was the Messiah that had been preached to him that would come in and take over the nation, take over the people, and, and, and when he took over, he was going to send the Romans running, and then everybody would know that the glory of the Lord was upon Israel. If you're only interested about your church, revival will never come. When we write these na narratives, oh God, I'll get right with this person when they do this. God, I'm going to get healed when this happens. And God says, no, 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 no. No anointing old for you. You're going to go down to the muddy waters, Naaman. Uh, excuse me, Lord, don't you know who you're talking to? And the prophet says, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> Naaman said, well, all right. Can I tell you that when you're willing to do something that doesn't fit your narrative, but because God's in it, it will rewrite a story that people will celebrate two, three, four thousand years later. Because God 
when he writes a story, it goes on and on. Oh, Pastor Don, how do you know that? His word will never fail. But Pastor, you don't understand how bad my disease is. You don't understand Luke 138 that says, with the Lord, nothing is impossible with God. I love what it says here. It's actually that nothing he says, no promise that he gives you will ever fail if you literally translate that. What God says will happen. Say, write my script, Lord. See, the problem is he couldn't see him because he saw him this way. And then suddenly he had this revelation that he, it wasn't going to happen the way that he thought. And, and, and so he saw him battered. And the Bible says he was so beaten that, that he looked like a, 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 it couldn't even be recognized as a man. And so he said, unless I see him and see, now he didn't realize Here's what I've come to realize. People who say, well, I'm a prophet, they'll understand that most of the time when you're being prophetic, you don't even know it. Thomas said, watch this, until I see the nails in his hands. Now, when he walked in, after he had said that, it's important to notice what he said. Now, before I can see the significance in what he said, I've got to understand the propheticness about what he has just said, unless I see the nails in his hands. Now, a few weeks ago, God began to reveal to me the importance of preaching on this topic. Many of you may understand, if you've been to Israel, you've seen t-shirts with this on there. As I began to do this, I began to sit down and spend some time with some, some Hebrew experts. Pastor Karen didn't have time, so I had to go meet with some others. Come on, amen. But I sat down with some spiritual and, and Hebrew experts, and, and we began to break this down together. And they were like, well, yes, Pastor. I mean, that, 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 yeah, you're right. And I felt good about that. But that day, I, that weekend, I was preaching a, a conference, and, and it was a small conference, and they were having a, like a worship service and another speaker, and, and, and what I like to do a lot of times when I, I'm, I'm a guest at a conference is, is I'll walk out, because you see I'm a soul winner, and, and I'll go out and I'll find the lost people selling stuff in the foyers. Now, not everybody selling stuff in the foyers lost, don't go say that, but I'll find the lost people at these conferences that have been sent in by their company selling stuff. And I just walk around and I win him to Jesus. And so the first person I walk out to is I meet a man and he, he tells me his name. And I, he, he's an Israeli who just flew in from Israel and he's a jeweler. And I said, may I talk to you about what I'm about to preach this weekend? And he said, well, of course. See, when, you, when you've been in Israel, and I try to go about twice a year. When you've been there enough, you understand the dialogue. And there's, there's a, a position about the Old Testament, particularly, and the New Testament, but the Old Testament, that the Jewish people take. And I said to him, I said, all right, so I want to I preach about Exodus chapter uh, number three. I want to preach about when, when, when the, uh, Moses says, okay, now you've got these papers, you have them there with you. He, Moses says, okay, God, I'll go. And I'll do your story, but who should I say has sent me? And he says, yes, of course. We all know this. And I said, 
Okay. I said, well, let me, let me tell you, uh, help me with, make sure I'm, I'm, I'm translating this right. And so I translated it for, for him, and he said, well, in only the way that an Israeli person can, he looked at me and said, well, duh. That's a spiritual translation for stupid. He said, all Jews know this. And I said, that's all I need to hear. Because what I've given you today, I want to teach you, I've just been privileged over the last year and a half to translate the New Testament into a new version called the Plowman. Every morning of my life, it seems over this year and a half, have been diving into translating the Word of God. And as I've been translating the Word of God, God's been changing my heart. He's been changing the, the narrative of the way I viewed Scripture because so many times my view of Scripture was through a denominational background. And so this is the moment that when God said, look at what He said. You see, the problem is, he was giving, he said, I can't get your narrative unless I see this. And he didn't know he was being prophetic. So what we have here, when the Lord said, Moses said, who should I say sent me? What did the Lord respond? I am that I am. Now we understand that, I am that I am, because that's how you say that in English. But to a Jewish person, they understand it differently. You see, the word in the Jewish uh, 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 word here we have uh, is the holy name of God that, that I don't have time to get into tonight, why they translated it different ways and why we've ended up where we've ended up in the holy name of God. But what we have here are some very, very, very important things that God said, this is how you'll find me. Stop dictating who you think I am. This is how you'll know it's me. And so what we have is a word here that is written in the Phoenician, that's translated, the Phoenician became the Hebrew, and so I want to help you with these four letters of this word, because these four letters of this word create for us an understanding of the narrative that God has for us. Now we're English-speaking people. And having a Western mindset, we read things in a linear passage from the right to, uh, from the left to the right. But the Jewish people don't read things from the right, uh, 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 left to right. They read things from the right to left. So what I have here are, are, are four letters. I have Yod. Hey, Vav, Hey. Okay? Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. Now, as I don't write that yet, this is important. I have Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. This is where we get the word or the name Yahweh. 
Because we don't know the way to speak the holy name of God because in 2,000 years nobody has spoken the holy name of God since the, tabernacle, or since the temple was destroyed. No one has, has spoken his holy name. So we referred to him and this was then later because of some Roman oppression turned into Jehovah that we would say, but we have Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. Now you have to remember the context. God said, if you want to show people who I am, in other words, if you want to find me, if you don't want to write me and see, if I were to say to you, who is he to you? And some of you would say, he's my protector. Some of you would say, he's my deliverer. Some of you would say, he's my savior. And the names would go on and on and on. But God said, if you want to find me, I am that I am. To a Jewish mindset, and, and the jeweler actually pulled out jewelry with this image on it. He said, you're speaking of the holy name of God. Now, on the back of the paper that I provided for you, you can find there, uh, and somebody said, Pastor, why would you do that? You've been preaching, people have been shouting, can't you get them to the altars? I don't care to get you to the altars and get something that you, can't, you won't stick to who you are, But because the first job that I have is to equip the body for the work of the ministry. Now, watch this. So what I have here, we're going to translate it in the way that we would write it. And as we translate this, you're going to find two that look like this little man. The hey. And as I, as I look on the back there, you're going to find who God said that you, how you could find him. Watch this. The word for hey, we have it two times, is really simple. It's behold. Now, this is important. In other words, I want you to see it this way. Take a look. Know this. I am that I am. Important. Behold. Then I have the Vav. And the Vav is very, very simple. The Vav, is, it, it settles it really quick. It's the word for peg or nail. So he said... Behold the nail. So I have behold the nail, behold, and then I have the word yod. And the word yod, can you can see it looks like the, an elbow there or the arm, but it's particularly translated as the hand. So he said, if you're ever looking for me, if you're ever wanting to find me, see the Jewish people, they don't look at this on this side of the cross. The Jewish people look at it on the other side of the cross. And so they believe I am that I am means I am the one who holds it all together. I am the one who created everything. I am that I am. You can count on me. I've got it. And that's powerful. But I'm not looking at it from that side of the cross. I'm looking at it as a redeemed, born-again child of the king. And I sound like Thomas, but when I start looking for, listen to me, this is important. When I start looking for the, watch this, the nail-pierced hand. When I start looking for the nail-pierced hand, then I'll know. Uh, now, see, so you, you're going, I've just never heard the like. 
Well, don't you understand? I've never seen the like of people getting healed of cancer in the water. I've never seen the like of sins being washed away like crazy in a revival that nobody knows how to write the script for. But I want you to get this today. You may have never seen it before, but there's some Jewish people on the other side of the planet going, duh. Don't let our lack of knowledge not let us realize what he's trying to say to us. He's, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. He says, stop looking at me as the one who has to heal this or fix that or do that. And he said, you start looking for the nail-pierced hand. And when you look for the nail-pierced hand, you'll run into a God who will change your story. Can you give God some praise tonight? The problem is you're not with me. I'm almost done. Say almost done. Someone went hallelujah. Listen to me. I feel this. You just want people to get excited. No, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching for the applause of nail-scarred hands. I'm preaching for, I don't lift my hands up for you. I lift my hands up for the nail-scarred hands that were nailed to a cross for me. I'm looking on this side of the cross. Thomas says, I just can't believe it. I just can't see it. I just can't, I just don't know. It doesn't fit my narrative. But Jesus walks in, and what he literally says to him, I, somebody needs to get this. He walks in, and, and, he, and Thomas doesn't go, Lord, Jesus, it's you. But instead, Jesus walks in, and to a Hebrew mindset, he walks right up to Thomas, and he says, Thomas, I am that I am. I'm everything that holds you together. I create everything you do. I don't think you get it. He said, you've been trying to hold it together. Fall on the nail-scarred hands, and he'll heal you. He'll deliver you. He'll set you free. He'll send fire to your church. He'll send revival to your nation. Why? Because we stopped writing the narrative, and we're following after the nail-pierced hands of the living God. Why don't you give him some praise like he deserves tonight? I said, lift up the nail-pierced hands that were put on a cross for I don't think you're there yet. I'm talking about show us the nail-pierced hands. Am I making sense to anybody? I said I'm going to behave. I wish you'd stand with me all over this place. Pastor, you just want people to get in the waters. No. I'm not pointing you toward the water. I'm pointing you toward the nail-scarred hands that I, I want you to listen to what I said, that we found in the water. Behold the one who writes your story. But pastor, I've gone as far as I can go. Oh no, you have not gone as far as you can go. You've just gone as far as you can walk. He's going to take you the rest of the way when you take hold of the nail-pierced hand. Because Thomas looks at him and simply says, Now I see. 
Now I see. I couldn't see you for three and a half years. But now I see you. My story passed away. And all I can see is the nail-pierced hand. And I behold my Lord and my God. Holy Ghost of the living God. Lift your hands up before the Lord. Hallelujah. Holy is the Lord. This is left in my spirit. There's a hand reached down for you tonight. And it's been pierced with a nail. Here's the revelation God gave me personally. I cannot back it up scripturally, but He gave it to me personally. The scripture says that in the palm of His hand, our names have been written. I believe He wrote your name and my name there with an old rusty nail. And he said, this makes you mine. I don't know if you understand the holiness of this moment. We are in the presence of the King. I'm trying to be done. I don't want to be done. I don't want to preach. But I want to see I want to see the nail-pierced hands. <laughs> Pastor, how are you going to see them? Aren't you saved? I am saved. But some of you are about to give your life over to Jesus. And in some of you, I'm going to watch the nail-pierced hands heal you and deliver you. He just keeps reminding me, he's reaching down. He's reaching down. He's reaching down. He's reaching down. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I want you to understand, some of you have not been able to find God. It's because you wrote your definition of Him. You have not met Jesus because you've been looking for Him to meet the script of your life. And He sent an old country preacher to tell you tonight, Holy Ghost of the living. He just keeps telling me, tell them the nail-pierced hand is reached down for them. Tonight, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I've not been serving Jesus. I don't know Jesus. I've never, I'm not walking hand in hand with a nail-pierced hand. I want with nobody looking around, everybody praying. I just want to see your hand. If you'd say tonight's the night, you want to put your hand in the hand of the that was pierced for you. Can I just see your hand? Hold it up high. One, two, three, four, five, six. I see six. Are there others tonight? Seven. Are there others tonight? Come on now. I see hands going up around this room. This is your night. This is your moment. I want to put my hands. Listen to me. Would you just trust me for a moment? I would never embarrass you. But if you raised your hand, I believe that he's ready to meet you right, right down here. Would you come down and, and pray with me if you just raised your hand to surrender your life completely over to him? I want you to start walking toward this altar. I want you to start walking. Come on. You raised your hands tonight. God's responding. Thank you, ma'am. Come on. Are there others that will be bold? Come on. Come on, meet them right here in this altar. The nail-scarred hands are reaching down for you. You're about to have a revelation. 
of the nail-scarred hands. Are there others that will join with these three? There were many more hands that went up, but are there others? He came for these three, but are there others? Come on, create an atmosphere of the glory of God in this room. Come on, the nail-scarred hands are reaching down for you tonight. The nail-scarred hands, don't you understand? We're under an open heaven. Look at these God's meeting here. Don't let altar works, don't let one of them stand or kneel without somebody behind them. Lay hands on them. You're gonna you're gonna represent the nail scarred hand right now. Pastor Don, I've never heard you speak so much in tongues. I, well, then you ain't been in my prayer closet. I feel the Holy Ghost. He just keeps telling me. You tell him. You tell them. Some of you going, but Pastor, I can't. I can't define it. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Listen, I, I don't know where you are, but I, there's. He's, I'm waiting just a moment more. Where are you tonight? You going, Pastor? Is this not enough? It is. It is a great blessing to see this many in the altars, and the people more are going to meet the nail scarred hands in the waters tonight. But this is your moment. Is there another tonight that will join with these before we pray and we reach out and we take hold of? My goodness, I just. I, he just said it again. I'm dare to tell you the nail scarred hands are. Reaching down for you tonight. Somebody's going to go, I don't even know what that man said, but he kept saying the nail-scarred hands are reaching for me. Behold the nail. Behold the hand. God's been working before the foundations of the world to win you in this moment. This is your hour. Hallelujah. Come on. Start rejoicing. This is your hour. This is your moment. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is your moment. This is your hour. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Are there others? Quickly, I'm about to open the baptistry, but not yet. Are there others? We're going to pray the salvation prayer with these. They're going to reach out and take the nail-scarred hands. Are there others? Hallelujah. All right, this is your moment. This is your time. Stay with me right here. This is the most important thing of the evening. We're going to prepare to receive the nail-scarred hands right now. In the name above all names. I want everybody in this audience, I want everybody watching, everybody that's tuned in online, those on ISN, I want everybody lifting your voice because heaven's going to lift their voice along with us now. Let's pray together. I want everyone in this altar to listen. The Bible says if I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that I would be born again. And right now you're laying literally a foundation as you reach out that's going to change your eternity for God's going to meet you with the nail-scarred hands. All right, let's all lift our voices from this altar and all across this, this world. Let's lift our voices together tonight. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. You have pursued me, and I have written my own story. I have sinned. I have fallen. But now I reach out, and I embrace the hands of my Savior that were pierced for me and by faith I receive God's grace and now I declare I will walk the rest of my life hand in hand with Jesus Christ my Savior and Lord Amen and amen. Now come on, give God a praise tonight. Lives have been changed. Altar workers, pray with these that have just committed their life to Christ. Come on, you can do better than that. Somebody reached out and took his hand tonight. All right, I want you to listen to me quickly. God's going to meet people 
Tonight when you get in that water, I'm literally believing that you're going to see the nail-pierced hands that were pierced for you. Why? Because those hands heal the sick. They open blind eyes. They restore. I just got to tell you this. Nail-scarred hands are reaching down for you tonight by the power of the Holy Ghost. And now, listen, if you've got a letter A, I want you to start coming this way. If you've got the letter A, you start coming on up through here. If you've got another letter, it's not going to take all night, but it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait because you're going to encounter the nail-scarred hands tonight in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. Come on, let's celebrate as these are coming. They're about to encounter Jesus tonight. Amen. 